1: And we're still talking about revolution.
0: Australia is a crime scene. It's unfinished business, this crime. People got not understand that it was a military exercise. It was military in the first fleet. It was Captain James Cook. It was Captain Arthur Phillip. Right through the history of Australia, it's a military exercise. Our people have suffered greatly because the white man is not prepared to act honourably and legally. It's still the case in this country today. This is
2: 3CR. Hello and welcome to the Doon Time show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. Tonight on the show we have a very special broadcast coming up and I'm going to be having two guests in the studio and I'll just introduce them first um, before we, we get, on, get on to the actual show. So first up, we're going to be speaking with Ravi and Ravi is an asylum seeker and he's uh, living in Australia in the community and he's written um, a wonderful poetry book and we're going to be hearing from him about that. And it's called From Hell to Hell, Poetry from Nauru. And he'll speak to you more about that later. Um, Yeah, Ravi is currently living in Melbourne. But he was in Perth and he arrived here by boat um, and so I, I believe a couple of years ago. But we'll go into more specifics about that later on. Then after that um, we're going to be speaking with Max Costello um, who is the LLM and also the former prosecuting solicitor for WorkSafe Victoria, now retired and he's now retired also from the employment and he he was also an employment law lecturer at RMIT University. He's also the author of Offshore Crimes um, from the monthly online. So, we'll be speaking not just about human rights today, but we're going to be speaking about a very, very important topic just in regards to um, work safe laws, in regards to Nauru and other detention centres. Um, so, I wanted to welcome both Ravi and Max to the studio. Hi, guys.
0: Hi. Hi.
2: Yeah, so it's lovely to have you both. So, um, and we were talking off air today that um, both of you are going to be staying for the whole show, and we're going to be having some great discussion. I hope you two are looking forward to that. Indeed. Yeah. So um, I thought we could um, speak with Ravi first and and just um, get a bit of an overview. So, Ravi, I, I'm just wondering. It's lovely to have you. C- can you just introduce yourself in your own way and and talk about um, tell me about yourself
1: thanks for having me here today and i'm an SLM i'm from sri lanka i came by boat 2012 um end of october uh 22 days journey i made a risky journey to find peace in my rest of life and i, I ended up in australia so i, I always call um, australia it's a very beautiful but the best part of Australia is Cocos Island. I was landed on uh, 3rd of September 2012, and and I was sent to Nauru, mm. and I was there like a uh, three years, nearly three years. I was held up in Nauru, and after that, I was taken to Australia on. 2015, sometimes, and last two years I'm living in community. And one and a half years I used to live in Perth. Now I'm living in Melbourne. I'm very brand new to Melbourne.
2: Yeah, so so tell us about uh, about the journey on the boat. How is that for you, Ravi?
1: As um, you know, that always beautiful is very danger. <laughs> so um, it's very hard to explain. It's a twenty-two days journey, so I faced lots of suffering and trauma and torture in my place. So I find the way to dealing with that, and I couldn't. So I, I loaded on the boat and make a risky journey to find the nice place to living with freedom. So, so I thought Australia is best country to moving and being the rest of my life and being here. So. 22 days journey there's no last four days we haven't got any water or food or anything so we will survive with salty water and yeah it's it's um it's kind of horrible journeys I can't remember in my whole life it's I made it that journey successfully and because I never thought I'm going to be landed in Australian land because of the weather condition, in that the risky journey and all this stuff, and I never thought I'm going to be survive, but finally I was end up with Cocos Island, and I'm happy to be here.
2: Indeed, and we're we're happy to have him have him here, aren't we, Max? In, indeed, absolutely. And you know, I'm sure that listeners are um, are very happy to to hear about all this, and and in fact, I wanted to. Just say here and now, I was talking off air about the fact that 3CR is um, a radio station that that has minority groups in here, people vulnerable, not just vulnerable people, people that have been oppressed, people that are um, from all cultures um, and from we have a lot of issues here, including refugees and asylum seekers. So we're very honoured to have you. So Ravi, you spent some time in Nauru, didn't you? Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Nauru mm, is there's a? It's still I'm. Um, um, it's very horrible place to people living in a detention centre because we never know what we going to be happen and how long we want to be there. So it's like a. It's that's what I call my name from hell to hell because I feel something very horrible things in my back home and I when I get to Australia and I thought I'm going to be a have a good life, but I was held up finally in nauru um hell in it's 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 not a suitable place to people living condition with the tent and then there's nothing anything and without life you know it's yeah it's very hard place to living people in a tent and like years and e s and e s you know
2: and thank you for mentioning hell hell to hell so can you tell us what inspired you to write the book?
1: Um, so I'm, I'm not a poet, I'm not an artist, or I'm just normal, ordinary person. Well, you back are home. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Really, uh, I faced lots of suffering um, from my politician back home and same things happened to me here also. And when I get to here and their politi- policy was changed, there's no advantage to uh, both people. they all sent to Nauru and Manus and... They're going to be processed there so when i get there then i saw some uh, tents and the people um wearing army cloth and stuff and i feel something very horrible in my heart i thought oh this is my i choose um bad place to living my rest of my play- life and I couldn't find anyone to dealing with my suffering, dealing with my pains and express. So English is my third language and I took the challenge to let people know understanding and get some good knowledge about the asylum seekers and refugees, how people living and survive in a detention center, everyday life. So I find the way to dealing with uh, writing and drawings and started to writing with my, what I know in my English, So, um, because I write in English this, because most of Australians, they don't have any ideas about the asylum seekers and refugees. So, I find a way to express myself and get them to good knowledge about the asylum seekers. So, I started to writing, (coughs) writing, and always writing and post on Facebook, and I got good feedback from people uh, about my writings, about my drawings. Then, finally, I thought it's good to publish something,
2: and, and
1: who published the book? Um, I made a friends with uh, Janet Galbraith. She's the one founder for Writing Through the Fences. And I met her on Facebook and we just messaged. And she said, um, I'm happy to publish your uh, work. And I thought, I'm um, I'm super keen to be that. And we started to work in like a two years. I thought I want to publish that while I'm in a detention centre. But unfortunately, but it's good. And I, I was published this end of uh, 2015. And with uh, Janet Galbraith, we worked like a two years to get out this beautiful book.
2: Fantastic. So so you what you're saying basically is that this book um, expresses... Your feelings about being a refugee and, and other people's experiences yes. as well. Yes.
1: It's, um, it's not just only my feelings. This is the feelings yeah. every SLM seekers exactly. who held up in a detention center years and years. They lost their their lives and hopes and dreams. It's still people living in a very limbo in Nauru and Manu. So everyone's feelings here. So I, this is not just only words. I always feel that everyone's tears, I collect them and made it book. So I always feel very special when I touch that book. It's feel, I feel uh, something I can feel everyone who held up in a detention centre because I was there. I know the worst feelings, what they have at the moment.
2: Exactly. I mean, because you were at Nauru for three years, weren't you? Yeah. And then you went to um, Maita, Maita, Maita detention center. as yeah. well. Yeah um so that's two detention centers centers that you've you've experienced yeah so it'd be great if if people could um could buy the book and obviously we don't want to read out the whole book because yeah. what's the point <laughs> <laughs> but would it would is it okay if you just read a very very short sample just so that listeners can get a little bit of a of a, of a taste, very short, very brief.
1: Of course, yeah. I'm, I'm, re- I'm always uh, happy to read my first writing. Um, it's called My Pen and Paper. So this is my first poem I wrote in my whole life because I couldn't see anyone to share my feelings and my sufferings and my express myself. So um, I made uh, friends with My Pen and Paper. It's called My Pen and Paper. I work a deep sadness path with my loneliness. I work deep sadness path with my loneliness. This emptiness makes me slow. I fell to my knee and cry out loudly. Tears knock silently at my eyes. Tears knock silently at my eyes. I can't find anyone to share my pain with. So I made friends with my pen and paper. So I make friends with my pen and paper. I share with them all my pain. They cry with me. The paper becomes wet with their tears. The paper becomes wet with their tears. So this is my first poem I wrote. So you can see on my book, last page on this poem in that book.
2: That's cool. I mean, that's just... Um, see? Sometimes pens and paper can be kinder than people, can't they?
1: Yeah. Um, there are no conditions, are there? Exactly. So <laughs> You know, the writing... Pen and paper is the best tools i found to fighting with anxiety and depression, stress, and especially politicians.
2: I imagine it would have stopped you from developing severe mental health issues because, I mean, one of the the breaches, I think, in, in safety, and we may talk to Max about this later, um, is the fact that, you know, there's a lot of psychological harm, isn't there?
1: Yeah, and it is.
2: Writing is is one of those things where you, you know, it stopped you from going crazy. Pardon the pun. Yeah?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah, it's true.
2: (laughs) It's approximately 4.14 and you're listening to an interview with Ravi, um, who is um, an asylum seeker from Sri Lanka. And he's now in the Melbourne community, in case listeners have just tuned in. And we're talking about a poetry book entitled From Hell to Hell, Poetry from Nauru. So, this book that's been published, where where can you buy this book? Where can people get it?
1: Mm, um, They can buy through the writing through the fences. There's a website, writing through the fences. And, And also people can buy directly from me. And I launched this book, Melbourne, Sydney, Perth. And next week I'm going to go Adelaide. If people interested in Adelaide, they can come to Adelaide. There's a place called, mm, yeah, Campbelltown Public Library in Adelaide. Beautiful. Yeah.
2: Well, then no, there may be listeners that are going on a holiday over there, or there may be listeners um, tuning in live um, streaming on the internet from Adelaide. So you never know. So, so you've actually so the launch has already happened, hasn't it? Yeah. Which is which is really cool, and what else do you want to say about the book? What what are some other things that um, that stand out for you, Ravi?
1: Yes, um, I think this book is really good eye open to as Australians. So yeah, last two years I was really achieved lots in in this community with this book and i've just keep travel all around in australia in sharing my experience and storytelling and doing some poetry reading and stuff and also this is ki- this kind of motivation and inspire to other slm seekers to doing something good with their life because lots of slm seekers best artists and good writers and good um filmmakers they still held up in a limbo in a in the hell in naru and yeah. manis they have lots of talented people so this, this i do my best to uh, give them good platform and good inspiration to do something for their Life to best and use their time living in a detention center. I know it's hard, but we, we have to do with deal with something to get good life.
2: Exactly, and you know, I think it's great that you've you've um, got the book there because of the fact that you're advocating, aren't you? Yeah. On behalf of asylum seekers and, and refugees.
1: Yeah, because I'm especially always feeling so when I. Sharing my story and sharing my books with other people, it's kind of key for others' freedom. Who held up in a detention center?
2: Absolutely, and I know. um, I mean, do you you have plans to write other books, or is this just a once-off thing?
1: Um, Now, at the moment, I'm working with my second book. It's in a three-language. It's my first language, Tamil, and second language, Sinhalese, and my third language in English. So I'm on the process now. So hopefully. It will become out on early next year.
2: You speak beautiful English. did did you learn that inside?
1: Um, I got this challenge from Mr. Peter Dutton, our immigration minister. <laughs> So um, yeah. he was, he, I, 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 I saw he was challenged, and there's SSLM seekers coming here. They can't speak in English. They took um, Australian's job. So I'm not a captain cook to take others' job, and really I took that <laughs> challenge. And I want to speak well. And I started to learn more and more and every day writing and learning English more.
2: Do you want to comment on that, Max?
0: Uh, no, he's made very good progress. <laughs> and and I think Ravi is about to enunciate perfectly the time, date and place of his Adelaide
1: event. Yes. Yeah, um, it's on 28th. Um, what day of the week is that? It's on next Sunday. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be Campbelltown Library on Adelaide, 29th of October. 28th or 29th. 29th on Sunday. What time? It's uh, three to five. I will be there, and I'm going to So my short documentary also. There's I made a short documentary. It's called Jolly Swagman, and yeah, it's uh, it's talking about Australian. Uh, human rights affairss, and we got best to Harvard also for that, and the Yarraville Sun Film Festival, so I'm going to screening that also. Wow. Mm.
0: I know this is a very serious topic, but are you writing in three languages so that you can charge three times the price for your book? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm, so really i I just really it's a main things I wrote this book uh not for handing, not for this this book for giving. It's not forgetting anything. This is forgiven. <laughs>
2: yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. That that's good. That that's fantastic. And and in fact, I I'm just really happy that the two of you could come today, because I felt that um, it was just a spur of the moment thing, wasn't it, Max? When, when I called you today, and uh,
0: yep, but and, very welcome.
2: And uh, and Ravi, like this has been planned for quite a while. Um, I think over a week now that it was it was planned for you to come in and I thought it was interesting and, and good you know, that y- you two can support each other. I'm just going to go into um, an announcement and we'll be right back. 3CR is very proud to announce the launch of the Beyond the Buzz 2017
0: CD. Okay, Puffer, you're up to go and see the bail justice. I don't want to go and see him. I say, no, I won't worry about it, you know. Sure enough, here comes the truck. I'm going to Dame Phyllis. Come along to Mesa at
2: 184 Gertrude Street, Fitzroy on Thursday the 2nd of November from 6 to 8pm. The launch will feature a live panel discussion on Aboriginal incarceration, Q&A and deadly music.
1: Oh, like, I don't regret being in jail, not one bit. Solitude and centeredness is difficult to find in the centre of chaos. So this has become, unfortunately enough, a place to be by myself and away from all that other stuff. and, and There's less less chaos in here than there is out there.
2: Beyond the Bars 2017 CD launch, Thursday 2nd of November, upstairs at Mesa, 6 till 8pm. And you're back with the Doing Time show and you've just heard a song called No Fixed Address. Um, Sorry, the, the group is No Fixed Address and the name of the song is We Will Survive. And, yeah, so Ravi, we were just chatting here ab- about your book. Do you have any any other comments that you wanted to make?
1: Mm. Really, I, r- I really want to talk about Naru and Manus a little bit, yeah. people facing suffering. It's, it's really very hard time now. So people living in a detention centre, It's it's not life there because... We never know what will happen. What's going to be happen? It's unpredictable, isn't it? It's um, if we know something going to be happen in the future on this period, and we can prepare ourselves uh, to get into there, and we can make it our life better. But at the moment, people are living in a detention center. There's nothing life or orbs or anything. We can't build up any orbs or dreams or anything. No. Because it's, we we completely destroyed with everything. And also we stripped inside out and we names are replaced to numbers and keep calling the numbers and stuff. It's all kind of trauma and torture. It's a mentally war. We're doing mentally war with all the time while we are in a detention centre. It's very hard to prepare us to our future. And I really wants to tell something in this all Australians and I'm I'm really so honored to be here and I, I want to take this opportunity to say something to these Australians and um, thank you very much for everyone who support asylum seekers and also they wants to understanding how people surviving and what people suffering and last four years we just lost nine death in detention center it's very unpredictable and it's we can't believe people die in a detention center in your hand and It's very hard and recently I was lost my one of my friend also in Manus and it's really hard even just it's not death, we just killing them. So that's the meaning. We it's we giving them mentally emotional and mentally sickness. We we force them to get mentally sickness. So that's true. So I really want to tell everyone thanks and I wanna say raise up your hands and Say welcome to asylum seekers because we are people just like you. We have families and we have future.
2: Ravi, that's true, and you know I think it's great that you've come despite the fact that you would have experienced a lot of trauma in Nauru, and uh, you know, and and yet you're still here. You've survived. Yeah. Which is why one of the reasons why I played that song. Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know Thank it's re- <laughs> related to Aboriginal people as well, but it's related to all peoples, really, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> you know, because we do have a white government. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, look, Ravi, it's so great to have you, and so I would like to invite you to stay for the whole show. Would you like to stay?
1: Yes, sure. Yeah, yeah. and
2: we can perhaps um, we're going to interview Max very yep. soon, and if you want to, you can contribute. So I'm really interesting
1: to hear from Max.
2: Absolutely. So let's introduce the topic um, just so that listeners um, can have an idea of what we're going to talk about. So there's quite a few things we're going to talk about, and I'm sure Max will enlighten us very, very soon. But um, with an introduction here, this is a, a quote from a media release that was put out by the Refugee Action Collective, and it's Human Rights Hypocrite, says Refugee Group, um, Australia taking a position on the UN Human Rights Council is a travesty, says Max Costello for the Refugee Action Collective in Melbourne. Foreign Minister Julie Bishop says that Australia will take the position alongside countries. whose human rights records are questionable at best, but this is hypocrisy when Australia's record is worse than questionable. Australia's mistreatment of asylum seekers and refugees on Nauru and PNG's Manus Island involves apparent breaches of both international and Australian criminal law. So... But Max and I were having a chat this morning, um, and we both came to the conclusion that it's human rights is extremely important. But we want to go a step further today and talk about um, the safe, the safe practices, or is are there safe practices? Are there safe practices in Nauru and? other detention centres and we're going to be talking a lot about that on an international and also um for victoria as well is that right max
0: yes well in fact it's for australia as for well for australia the whole of australia be- because <coughs> the um, the health and safety law that applies to all sorts of detentions i'm using that term detention centre as a general term there are there are alternative places of detention there is there are proper detention centres, so speak, there are offshore or regional processing centres, I'll just use, use yes. the shorthand detention centre. All those places are workplaces, and being workplaces, they're covered by work, health and safety law, and it's the Commonwealth law that applies to those Commonwealth workplaces, as, as it applies to immigration's office block workplaces and so on. And the unique thing about the Commonwealth Health and Safety Law is that it has these three almost magic words, quote, extended geographical jurisdiction. Because unlike all the other laws that apply only in their own state or territory, the Commonwealth one can apply offshore if... The Commonwealth workplace is in a country that has either no health and safety law, such as Nauru, or it has a sort of health and safety law, but it's not equivalent to the Australian one, and that's the situation in PNG.
2: Okay, so let's get to the point here. So basically, it's important to lay charges against Australian Border Force um, workers?
0: It, not the workers, but it's well, the, not the workers, but the, the actual, It's the department the itself. The department. Yeah, yeah. you, you, you not really... Not in an individual no, 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 no. You're really charging the Commonwealth of Australia, the Commonwealth Government. It just so happens that in Victoria here, the the WorkSafe regulator, WorkSafe authority called WorkSafe Victoria has in fact charged the government of Victoria via the Department of Justice and Regulation. And I have in front of me the, the WorkSafe... A news bulletin on it to 22nd December 2016 and this is in relation to the Ravenhall Metropolitan Remand Centre riot in June 2015 and the four charges two of them allege a failure to provide a safe and maintain a, a safe workplace for the workers but yes. the other two allege a failure to look after the health and safety of the remandees the the persons who are not workers. And that's true of every workplace, your visitors, Absolutely. your clients, your customers. As we see when the politicians don the, the safety high-vis vests and the and the helmets when they get to a, an industrial workplace, they're not just doing, well, they do it for photo opportunity, but it's because the workplace operator has a duty under the relevant health and safety law to ensure that people other than workers, these other persons of whatever category, are not exposed to risks to their health and safety. So that's the law, but applying it... <laughs> WorkSafe has set the example here in Victoria, but Comcare, the federal regulator, has done almost nothing.
2: So why, if, if it is law are the detention centres covered
0: Well yes every okay. every commonwealth workplace in Australia is covered by the the commonwealth law and overseas Uh, And uh, Sorry, I should add, Christmas Island is an external territory where the law goes and says this act applies to all external territories. But it's those words, extended geographical jurisdiction, that pick up any workplace that doesn't have an equivalent law. Now, lots of Commonwealth workplaces in, you know, first world countries with highly developed legal systems, the local law, you know, when Germany or Britain or whatever. But in third world countries where there might not be a health and safety law, the Commonwealth law, just applies to that Commonwealth workplace.
2: But indeed, this is actually connected with with human rights, anyway, isn't it?
0: Well, yes, it 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 is. Uh, if you, I think there's a sort of an overlap in the yeah. uh, in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, there's, there's, there are clauses about people's rights at work. But the 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 main difference is is not so much in the two ways of looking after people, the main difference is that here you have an Australian law under which the Immigration Department and more recently Australian Border Force, they've taken over the running of them, they could be charged with criminal offences. And to to show you how serious these laws are, if immigration slash ABF recklessly failed to look after the health and safety of an individual asylum seeker... And was found, prosecuted, charged, and found guilty. The maximum penalty is six hundred thousand. Sorry, it's three million dollars for the department. And if, say, the very a very senior officer was also charged, well, he or she could face a maximum fine of six hundred thousand dollars and or five years jail. These are serious crimes.
2: Very. So, what would be examples of 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 those crimes well,
0: well I'll pick up on what Ravi said about sure. the, the detention centre on Nauru one of the the clause there are a whole range of them I'll keep it brief one of the requirements these are duties positive duties I'll just back and fill and pretend to be a law lecturer for a little moment when we think of crimes we think of uh, things you you know the to use the old biblical language thou shalt not murder thou shalt not steal thou shalt not etc but these the health and safety law is unique it says thou shalt you must if you're running a workplace proactively prevent dangers to people and it's a failure to p- comply with that duty that's the crime it's a, the only thing i think of is with your tax return everyone has to put in a tax return you've committed an offence if you haven't put in the return it's a failure to perform a duty uh, so that's the that's the starting point and 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 i'll just set the scene i might go into detail in a moment but what the workplace operator, such as Immigration, now ABF, must do, they must look at the workplace and the people are going to be in it and say, what are all the possible dangers, the hazards that might possibly occur? Step two, they've got to risk assess each hazard and say, how likely is it to eventuate it? And if it does, how harmful is it likely to be? And then they have to, if practicable, eliminate those significant risks or at least minimise them. Ravi mentioned being called by a number. If immigration were fairly in in, in complying with the health and safety law, knowing that they were taking people who were fleeing all sorts of persecution and some of them would have been in prison, some of them would holding cells where, they would have been called by a number. So what does immigration do? It starts an insist they all be called by a number and they know damn well if they'd thought about it for a moment that is something you can easily not do and you fail your failure to give the there should have been instruction do not call anyone by a number find out their names and treat them as a human being the failure to do that to to failure to prevent a known and obvious risk is a criminal offence
2: yeah, look, this is, this is very, very important, isn't it? And it's not really discussed, really.
0: No, it, it, there's a sort of... A, I'll start with the good people. Um, the, the, the lawyers, there are, there are three groups of lawyers. There are a handful of health and safety-aware lawyers, and I, I give a pat on the back to the Australian Lawyers Alliance. Uh, their spokesman, Greg Barnes, he's been terrific on this issue for quite some time, and the ALA has put out very important reports on it. But the main groups of lawyers we hear, hear from and they're doing terrific work are the compensation lawyers, the workers' comp lawyers, the labour lawyers yeah. and they got, as we know, the $70 million settlement from Dutton & Co uh, for the Manus men, right? That's the compo lawyers, if you like to use the slang phrase. And then there are the human rights lawyers who take cases um, to, to the high court and, and, and uh, an Australian lawyer was involved in the Papua New New Guinea case where the Supreme Court of Papua New Guinea said the detention centre is unconstitutional. So the human rights lawyers are doing what they can. But let me make this massively important point. No one who's been the, the subject of any of those court cases has ever copped a fine. No one has ever got a criminal conviction. No. No one has ever gone to jail. There might be financial penalties. There might be embarrassment but the difference with this criminal law, the health and safety law, is that charges can be laid. And if, a find, if there's a finding of guilt, top level individuals can go to jail and cop and, 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 the, and the Commonwealth of Australia via immigration slash ABF can cop a fine of up to three million.
2: So is this um, just Victoria or the no, whole of Australia?
0: No, I'm, I'm talking. Uh, I gave the work cover example to show that yep. a genuine regulator can do what it should do sure. and investigate and prosecute, but all I'm talking about here is the Commonwealth I Health see. and Safety Act because these are all Commonwealth workplaces.
2: Absolutely. So they're not statewide. No, they're, no, they're no. no
0: if, now, say, you know, Ravi has spent time in MITRE, the Immigration uh, Transit uh, Accommodation Centre, ITA, in Melbourne, MITRE. Now... If there was an investigation there of an alleged mistreatment of an asylum seeker, it would be Comcare inspectors, Commonwealth inspectors, turning up to look into it, not Victorian WorkSafe inspectors.
2: I yeah. see. So your submission that, that you've written, um, can you talk about that?
0: Well, I've, <laughs> I've written a few. <laughs> I, I co-wrote with another 3CR supporter, an ex-WorkSafe person, a submission to the Moss Review. We've written again to the two senate committees and and i've now just written on my own initiative and i've told the refugee action collection collective people about this too i've written a submission to a current senate committee that's looking into peter dutton's latest uh, attempt at further cruelty he he's got a migration amendment bill that would allow if it gets through strip searches um ordinary searches sniffer dogs and the abolition of the right to use a mobile phone. And what so I put in a submission saying, well, because of the cruelty involved, and it's avoidable, it's preventable cruelty, yes. their are offences, the, uh, apparent offences against the Health and Safety Act. But one of the most interesting things, Chris, is that, that of the 67 submissions, I read them all, nearly half of them say, yeah, we're concerned about this horrible bill, but I'll tell you what we're all, because they have, half of them are from visitors to asylum. So seekers in detention, or would be visited if they can get through the, the protocols, and they say already the rules and restrictions are cruel beyond belief, and, and, and we are very concerned about them. Keep your bill, but fix up the, the existing cruelty, yes. and, I, and I say those bits of preventable cruelty are also apparent offences against the Health and Safety Act
2: absolutely absolutely it's approximately 441 and you're listening to an interview with Max Costello with Ravi here as well um and Max Costello is um, has a, wears a number of hats but <laughs> as a retiree <laughs> but, he's, <laughs> but he's um he's recently joined the Reef Refugee Action Collective we'll just go into a short announcement and uh, we'll be we'll be back shortly don't go away
1: For one night only, the Great Forest National Park is coming alive at Howler, Brunswick, October 29th at 7pm. Celebrate our diverse Victorian wilderness through provoking forest projections and performances by Shane Howard, Zach Saber and DJ Dillian Page. All proceeds go towards the Wilderness Society's work on the Great Forest National Park campaign. Tickets are just $25 from MoshTix. That's moshtix.com.au. Just search for Howler. So come and enjoy a unique night out and be wilder. Be wilder is a 3CR supporter.
2: Yeah, so... We just uh, had an announcement there. And so Ravi and and Max, you you were having a little bit of a a discussion there. I was just
0: asking Ravi if he knew whether when he and others were on Nauru and more recently in Mitre, the immigration uh, transit accommodation in Melbourne, whether the people there, the asylum seekers, knew that the way they were being mistreated constituted apparent criminal offenses under an Australian law a workplace law did they realize that
1: no they didn't realize that because we we, we don't know that you know so because mm, even we don't have rights to talk about that so if we talk about that and they might be get some punishment more than that yeah. so it's not a it's not a, we can't talk about that and we just want to coping with that what we have and what we're going through yeah you
0: know? so even if you knew you wouldn't want to stick your head up and start making a fuss. I'll tell you what's extremely interesting, that the department knows, uh, of course, that the law applies. And here are two quick examples, Rissa. One, if you look at the annual report of the immigration, long-winded, I'll call it immigration for short, immigration department, every year they report, as they must, as every workplace operator must to every regulator, must report instances of death, serious injury or serious illness that occur uh, at the workplace and uh, and and they are listed as required to be reported under the work health and, and, and safety, safety act and and secondly the acting uh, chief executive of Comcare appeared before a senate committee in March this year and she volunteered as her opening, as part of her opening remarks. Comcare is the regulator for the Commonwealth Work, Health and Safety Act and we oversee compliance with that law across Australia and on Nauru and on Manus because they're Commonwealth workplaces where the uh, that have the extended... That's the gist of what she didn't use the exact words, this yeah. extended geographical uh, jurisdiction. And Senator Watt from Queensland said, does the department understand and accept this? And the, the Comcare chief said, yes.
2: But they don't, do that. Uh,
0: they, don't, they? They're aware. They're very much aware. They're aware. The, but they don't. On, on the mountain of evidence, they are not really complying uh, with it and it's it's shameful that Comcare... She was asked, you've had inspectors go to the Nauru and Manus and the annual reports confirm yep. this. What have they found? This is the answer and I'm quoting... They have not observed any breaches of the Work Health and Safety Act by the department, unquote. Now, that is astonishing.
2: It is astonishing, especially there's so much
0: secrecy. Well, There's no accountability. Yeah, well, the secrecy is to try to make sure that the general public doesn't get to hear about it back here in Australia or around the world. But when inspectors go and look at workplaces... Uh, really, for them not to observe. I mean, uh, for example, the tents, as you mentioned, like it's a hot and humid place. And I've heard evidence given at a Senate committee that the temperature at midday in the hottest time of the year reached 50 degrees Celsius and kids were fainting. Yeah, and true. and if you're designing, what are the risks of, of accommodating people in a tropical workplace? Well, the heat and the humidity. So what do you do? Put them in tents and let them cook. I mean, the deliberateness, the knowingness of the breaches and the scale, the apparent. I must keep saying apparent breaches Mm. because it's not till they're charged and proven guilty. But, but on the face of it, it is systemic and massive, and yet it is being carried out with impunity, no punishment, no consequence. Uh, for the harm, or the exposure to the risk of harm, and of course, often harm does result, as we know, psychological harm in particular. And
2: and, and not only that, but also not the 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 suicides that are happening. Well,
0: yeah. Well, the, there are many, many. Uh, I'm just an ex lawyer, but there are many uh, psychiatrists and experts who who just say you keep people in detention, in particular, as Ravi says, well, it's not like a prisoner where he or she knows there's a finite, there's an end to it. And they know why they're there, because they've committed and found guilty of a crime. Uh, and that's, that, that cranks up the torture element uh, a lot. And speaking of torture, when we get to it, Marissa, all, there are also apparent international crimes.
2: Let's talk about that.
0: Well, it, it, people don't know this, but there are currently five communiques, they're called, that they're submissions to the International uh, Criminal Court alleging crimes against humanity. They are, for example, torture, which really means – it's. It, in, it, the, there's a thing called the Statute of Rome which sets these out. Torture means the intentional infliction of severe physical or mental pain. Then you've got forced deportation. Well, that's almost a yeah. lay-down mistake, but people didn't volunteer to <laughs> go to Manistar Nauru. Then you've got persecution. And uh, you know I could go could go on. There are others as well, but the, these are very substantial submissions. One from Refugee Action Collective itself, a nice brief one. It's on their accessible on their website, I hope, but it's it's certainly available publicly. And there are very major submissions from a group of Australian and international lawyers with Alison Batterson and Julian Burnside QC. And there's an even bigger one from Stanford University. Uh, in the US which has a, a sort of a global legal action network uh, hookup so it does this sort of thing and, and there's one Australian professor, Anne Orford from Melbourne University is one of the, I think they've got 27 yep. lawyers, or it's a very big, big one um, and so, but the the process is slow, we have to wait for the prosecutor to uh, to act but th- these things are there and we're trying through RAC we'll see if we can get some publicity about them in the not too distant future
2: Absolutely. So we've talked about a number of issues, really. Um, I mean, it's brief. And I'd like to have you back, Max, at some stage, um, and Ravi too, you know, to, to discuss this a bit further because there's so much. Like this is all being condensed into one show. I mean, we've got about 11 minutes left. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, in summary, um, Max, what what do you think are the are the main issues here?
0: Well, the main issue is that you have both local and international criminal law, where there can, if the action is taken, there can be consequences. In fact, I should just mention in passing that the Work Health and Safety Act and all the Health and Safety Acts exempt the ministers, the the politicians who head up these regimes from being prosecuted, only the workplace operators, their senior officers, and in very rare instances, workers, uh, can face charges. But the International Criminal Court Doesn't process. It it does the opposite. It says doesn't matter whether you're a prime minister, a king, you know, uh, um, a a general, whatever. You can be. You can only be charged as an individual. In fact, it makes sense. What what use if the criminal court, international criminal court, found a government guilty? People say, ho hum. I mean, you can't put a government in jail. But if you if you charge the former prime minister. Or the former head of mm. uh, Department X, or you know, they can go to jail, and they've got the quite heavy penalties too. There are some financial penalties. Former, hmm? former yes, that's right. The the, ah. the the five cases start. One of them starts with Howard and works from, from back from Howard and and Ruddock and works on uh, through through them. And I, I made a speech at the uh, at the rally that Rack held held a couple of weeks ago and in a polite message to Bill Shorten, who might be the next Prime Minister, I Fish, said, uh, yeah. in effect, Comrade Bill, if you want to make sure your name and the name of your immigration minister isn't on the uh, the list that might be prosecuted under by the International Criminal Court, well, stop the crimes. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and look, I'd love to talk about this, it's, but we don't have time, I don't yeah. think, but it's, you know, about the fact that The character test, like, that's not really applicable, is it? Hmm. It, it, You know how they have the character test?
0: Well, the Section 501 of the Migration Act, and if you're a non-citizen, have you done a few things, including committed a a crime that's ranked seriously enough, you you do your time and then uh, they uh, put you in immigration detention and deport you. See, that's not... Well, one of the Dutton, sorry, Minister Dutton's excuse for these strip searches and dogs and whatever is that the detention centres now have a mixed lot of people, including some of these deportees. But to be very brief, what the the facts and figures show, there are fewer and fewer people in those centres. You could so easily separate the two cohorts, treat them differentially. He's just using it as his... As an excuse mm. to make life extraordinarily hard on the detainees or silent, you know, and on the visitors, you're only allowed yeah. to visit one person at a time. Ah, oh. and etc. etc. The the rules are just uh, to use a fancy word, Kafka-esque. They're so bizarre. It's almost like science fiction fantasy. You can't
2: it. even sit around sit around the table at me. Mi- no,
0: no. Mitre. no, no, And here's another one: if you if you get to see someone, and that uh, resident of the centre goes to the toilet, he or she can't come back to the visiting room. Oh, I didn't
2: know that.
0: Yeah, and here's uh, there are letters in the age which I've put in my submission to the recent submission to the the one of six months ago to the Senate committee. Uh, a visitor took along a mandolin to have a little sing song. Confiscated, could be a weapon. I mean, it's just. Unbelievable.
2: Uh, that's horrendous. Yeah.
0: But that's that's hap- That's what the, the uh, submitters are saying to the current Senate committee. Okay, don't go ahead with this draconian new law, worse law, but for heaven's sake, stop doing what you're doing now. It's just inexcusable.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And RAC has called a rally on Human Rights Day December the 10th, calling on Australia to take at least 20,000...
0: Ro- Ro- Rohingya. Rohingya Rohingya refugees yeah. Yes
2: And bring um, Bring them home And bring Bring Manus and Nauru To safety in Australia as well And the details of the rally are as follows The rally will be at 2pm At the State Library Including speakers from the Islamic Council And the Australian Burmese Organisation Yep Yeah So uh, Look Thanks so much Both of you For coming on to the program Um are there any final comments that either of you would like to make?
1: Mm, yeah, I really um, talk about the policies. In 2013, on 19th of July, they changed the policy. Then they said um, people who come by boat, there's no advantage. Then all the people are going to Centenary and Manus and they're going to be resettlement there. But half of families, then half of relations, they're living in community in Australia. And half of them, they... Just only 2,000 people victim of this policy and they're living in limbo. Yeah, so it's not fair policy, and this comment is not handled. This policy is very well, so that means this policy is uh, saying um, serve the people life in the water. But in last couple of years, more than 12 deaths in this land, in offshore and onshore, and um in this under this policy so that's mean this policy is not fair and it's how i would say is the change the policy and make some quick um um solution for cap, get people to australia and set them free and let them stay here and really there's a lot of talented people we can build best australia so that's Absolutely. what what is yeah, it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. hold our hands and call your friends and call our neighbours and we can make it great Australia. So that's only, I can say, behalf of my me and my friends, you know. Mm. Yeah.
2: And c- rock up to the book launch in Adelaide if you can.
1: Yeah, uh, it's 29th of October, the next Sunday. Um, three to five, I will be in Campbelltown Library. So people in Adelaide, they're interested. And
2: the name of the book again?
1: Uh, from Hell to Hell.
2: And
0: Max? Uh, I'd just make one very brief comment. Uh, yes, if you come by boat, the, the policy is you will never settle in Australia. But here's the, the, back then when this came in, uh, the government and other right-wingers were saying, these people are queue jumpers, they're not going through the proper channels. And then uh, in December, a year later, in Maybe not a year later, but in December 2014, Morrison announced, and it's still the case, that if you, as an asylum seeker, registered with the UNHCR in Indonesia after the 30th of June 2014, you won't come to Australia either. They're the people who did the right thing, who went through the rules, followed the rules, didn't, quote, jump the clue. They won't come either. That's how deeply racist, nasty and unneighbourly, insulting to Indonesia and the UNHCR it is.
2: Shame. And it's approximately 4.57 and we've just reached the end of our show. Thank you so much to both Max and Ravi for coming in. We've got Beyond Zero coming up next um, and I'm sure we'll see Max and Ravi again. Sometime soon, and so it's goodbye from Marissa and all of us. Thank and you very much. Tune in at the same time every Monday from four to five for the Do and Time Show. We're going to be going out now with our theme song, um, "Black Fella, White Fella" from the Warumpi Band. Stay safe and look after each other.